Genesis chapter 19, Genesis chapter 19, as we look at the life of Lot, there's few chapters in the Bible I do not have a whole lot of pleasure in reading, I do not have a whole lot of pre- pre- uh, pleasure in preaching, this is one of them, but the Bible is the Bible, it says the good, the bad, and the ugly, if you read throughout the scriptures, you'll read some chapters in the Bible that if they were portrayed would be R-rated at least, maybe actually X-rated. The Bible is not, a, not, it is not always a G-rated book. If you read it, you study it, you look at passages, there's some passages in there that you might want to read to your five-year-old. And not, not, not quite. They're not quite ready for that. They might ask some questions they're not quite ready to answer. And this might be one of those chapters. So, but it is reality of life. All the word of God is profitable. It's all good for us. But there's parts in it that definitely, as we read it, uh, we see the sinfulness of man. We see that in chapter 19 of the book of Genesis. It says, and, came, and there came two angels to Sodom and even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. And he said, Behold now, my Lord's turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early, and go on your ways, and and, and, shall, and they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed them upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered his house, and he made them a feast. And he baked unleavened bread, and they did eat. <coughs> but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the, the house around, both old and, and young, <coughs> all the people from every quarter. And they called him a lot and said unto him, where are the men which came unto thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after, after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you that you do ye to them as, it good, as, good, as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. <coughs> For therefore... Came they under the shadow of my roof, and they, and they said, "Stand back!" And they said again, "This fellow came in to sojourn; and he will needs be a judge. Now will I will we deal worse with thee than with them?" And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the break the door. The men put forth their hand and pulled pulled Lot into the house to them and shut and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door in the house with blindness, both small and great. So they wearied themselves to find the door. <clears throat> and the man said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and sons and daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city? And bring them out of this place. For he will destroy this place because the sick cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Get up, get ye out. <clears throat> Of this place, for the Lord will destroy this place. But he seemed as one <clears throat> that mocked unto unto his sons-in-law. Verse fifteen. And when the morning rose, and the angels hastened hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife, upon the hand of his two daughters. And the Lord be merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain 
lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. Thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now the city is near to flee unto thee. It is little one, oh, let me escape hither. Is it not a little one, oh, my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing, also that I will not overthrow the city for the which hast thou hast spoken. Uh, haste thee, escape hither, for I, have cannot, for, I, for I cannot do anything till thou come hither, thither. Therefore the, the name of the city was Zor. And the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zor. When the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon the Gomorrah brimstone, and fire was from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities that, and that which grew upon the ground. And his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the plain. And Dean, behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the of the overthrow, and he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. Verse 30, And Lot went up out of Zor, and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him, and he feared, for he feared the, to dwell in Zor, for he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. The firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, he will lie with him, and we will lie with him. We may preserved seed of our father and they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father and he perceived not that she lay down nor when she nor when she arose and it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger behold I lay yesterday night with my father let us make him drink wine this night also and go thou in and lie with him that he may preserve seed of, of our father and they made their father drink wine and also that night also and the younger arose and lay with him, and that he perceived not when she lay down nor when she arose. And they both, the daughters of, the, of Lot, with child by their father. The firstborn bare a son, and he called his name Moab. The same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger also bare a son, and, and called his name Biami. And his name is the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. Father, we thank you again for your word. Lord, we read it in especially this chapter, and we tremble at the judgment that you had for this city. And Lord, we know if, if judgment does not come to the United States, you'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because such sins are happening even in this city and throughout this nation, and there is judgment that is coming. Oh God, I pray you'd help us to recognize that, to be prepared. Lord, to be prepared for when you come, take us home, because there is judgment that is happening all around us, even now. We see so much trouble and difficulty, and much of it has to be the judgment of God. And we know that greater judgment is coming to this place, so ultimately this earth will be destroyed in fervent heat. Oh, God, help us to be warned of sin in our life and the danger of sin. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Sodom is named six times in the Old Testament, four times in the New. 
name Sodom is synonymous with sexual perversion. It stands in the Bible as an outstanding example of, a, of an overthrow of evil without remedy. Jonah, of course, in the Bible, was sent to preach in Nineveh. It was a wicked city, but Nineveh repented. Because Nineveh repented, God stayed his judgment. There was a judgment of the flood, which destroyed every person, every creature on the earth except for eight. But there was eight that were saved. For the sins of Sodom, there was no remedy. There was no repentance. As we read last time, Abraham had beseeched, interceded for his, for his nephew and his wife and their children, believing there would be at least ten, and there should have been, as we looked at last week, at least ten people, at least ten righteous and Abraham in his intercession and in speaking to the Lord, remember three angels came. One of them, we believe, was the Lord himself. He spoke directly to him and he interceded for Lot. And he believed that in interceding for them, if there would be ten righteous in the, in the city of Sodom, that the city would be saved. I wonder how many righteous are in Gainesville tonight. How many have wonder how many righteous? A hundred? Would God save Gainesville for a hundred? I wonder if there'd be a hundred righteous in Gainesville. I don't know. I hope there'd be more. I believe there's a whole lot more wicked people in Gainesville than there are righteous. I have no more doubt about that. I believe there'd be more wicked people in the world than there are righteous. And you see that in the Bible. The Bible says of the path of destruction, it is a wide path. But the path to righteousness is a narrow way. It is a narrow, it is a narrow way. The way of unrighteousness is a broad path that, that leads to the, the path of destruction. So there's more people, I believe, that are heading towards hell than are heading towards heaven. That's what the Bible instructs us. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 17, verse 28, as it was in the days of Lot, thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. We are, we are, we are not just slouching towards Gomorrah, a book that was written by Judge Bork. We are heading headlong towards Gomorrah. We are becoming Gomorrah. The overthrow of Sodom provides for us a study parallel based on changeless principles. Given in the same circumstances, God acts in the same way as he did before. When there is sin, ultimately there will be judgment and punishment for sin. All sin will be punished. You say, I don't know what's going on in Washington. Guarantee you, everything that's going on in Washington, God will judge. Everything that's going down there in downtown Gainesville, God will judge. Not one wicked thought, not one wicked deed will ever pass through God's holy judgment without being, without being taken care of. You don't have to worry yourself about that tonight. You don't have to stay up late at night and twiddle your thumbs and stay up in, in, in all hours of the night worried about whether God's going to take care of sin. No, sin's going to be taken care of, friend. There might be a lot of wickedness going on. If we had a half an inkling of what's going on in the world, we'd probably run out of this place in horror and get into bed and pull the sheets over our head and just not even look. We don't know. We don't even have a half an inkling of what's going on. In just this city, we don't know half of what's going on. I get up every morning and I read a little bit of the conservative news. And even in that, I'm horrified. And just what's going on in this little area of Alachua County and, 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 and roundabout. I read about the, the crimes and the corruption and the deceit and the, the wickedness. And I just, and 
I read it every morning. I say, oh, God, how long-suffering you are. How long-suffering you are. What I am preaching to you tonight, I believe, within 10 years, if things do not change, they will consider what I'm saying tonight is hate speech and throw me in jail. I have no doubt in my mind tonight. I'm preaching against the sin of sodomy. I'm preaching against the sin of sodomy. Did you know before 1960, every state in the United States had laws against sodomy? Did you know that? It was illegal. It was wrong. And the world may say, well, it's fine now, but God still says it's wrong. The Bible still says what the Bible, and the Bible doesn't change, folks. Society may change, and it has changed, but the Bible doesn't change. What can we learn from this chapter? Well, we see, first of all, the coming of the angels in verses 1 through 3. These angels who we looked at in the last chapters, only two of them instead of three of them. doesn't say the presence of the Lord or the angel of the Lord. It says these two angels. We see the coming of the angels. First of all, Lot's humility. Lot had a position of authority. He was someone who stood by the gate. He, he was there, you know, had, having a position of authority. But he humbled himself when he told these two angels. We see his humility, but not only that, his hospitality. Much like his uncle Abraham, when seeing these two angels, these two, these two bright ones, these two ones who have to look different than the rest, he showed humility, he showed respect, he showed care for these holy visitors just like most streets uh, at night I wouldn't want to be on any street uh, especially around here at night especially after dark I wouldn't be walk walking down the street at night these, it wasn't safe for these two heavenly visitors to be walking down the roads by themselves and they wanted to be outside but Lot understood where he was at he understood the wickedness of the place and he entreated for them he encouraged them to to get inside because it was not safe outside now these two angels had to be like a bright light in a dark place they had to be a bright light in a dark place you know what we're supposed to be a bright in a dark place the bible says in matthew chapter 5 verse 14 you're the light of the world a city that's set on the hill cannot be hid the bible says in matthew chapter 5 verse 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let your light shine wherever you are. Let your light shine. These people, this place was so dark, they must have they they been able to notice these angels who so were so holy, so righteous, so different than the rest of the people of the town. Oh, dear friend, you may be, you may be a bright spot in a dark place, you say, can I, be a, can I live for God in a dark place? Joseph did. Joseph in a dark place called Egypt lived for God. Daniel did. Daniel in a dark place called, called uh, in Babylon lived for God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in a dark place there under Nebuchadnezzar, but they still lived for God. You may be in a bad society. You may be bad in a bad situation. But you can still live for Jesus. You have to choose it. Every day, I'm going to live for God. <clears throat> Remember this little song we used to sing, darken a bright in the corner where you are. Wherever you are. Be a bright spot. Be a light. Even though everything is dark. We see the coming of the angels, but secondly, secondly the character of the atheists. The character of the atheists in verses 4 through 11. What do we know about these 
the sins of these people? Well, first of all, it was a, pre a prevalent thing. The sin of sodomy was not just something that a few individuals were involved in. <clears throat> it wasn't just a few bad rascals. <clears throat> it wasn't just a few bad teenagers or a few uh, rebellious uh, bad seed people. It was prevalent within the society. And I say it again, just because sodomy is acceptable in this society, in that society, God still calls it sin. Le Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. God calls it an abomination. It was an abomination then. It's an abomination now. It will always be an abomination. It's not about feelings. It's not about tolerance. It's always wrong. It's always, always, always wicked. It always is. The Bible says in Revelation, in, in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, If a man also lie with womankind, as he lie with womankind, both them have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. You say, well, that's Old Testament preacher. What's the New Testament say? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know you not that the righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, nor the fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revivers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. People who continually practice this type of, of wickedness will not go to heaven. That's what the Bible says, folks. That's what the Bible says. It was a prevalent thing. Secondly, it was a polluted thing. It says in verse 5 that they said, bring them out unto us that we may know them. They wanted a, these wicked men wanted a physical relationship with the angels. It was a persistent thing. You see in verse 9, they said, stand back. And they said, again, this fellow came to sojourn, talking about Lot, and he needs to be a judge. Now we shall deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the, upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. They were trying to break into his house to get to these angels. To get to these men so they could have a relationship. You see, friends, sin is like a drug. You ever met somebody who's an addict? And what the, what's the first thing an addict will say? Oh, I can stop this at any time. And that's a lie right out of their mouth. Is there anything that you're addicted to? You say, well, i got to have a cup of coffee. Do you have to have it? Well, I have to listen to that radio show. Do you have to have it? You can, you've got to be careful what your, what your addictions are. You've got to be careful. How about be addicted to the Bible? How about be addicted to prayer? How about be addicted to telling people about Jesus? How about be, be kicked addicted to kindness? How about being addicted to goodness? How about being addicted to love? How about be addicted to right things? We hear about so much wicked addiction. But how about some good addiction? How about righteousness? Sin is like a drug. Once you start down the path of lying and cheating and stealing, it's hard to stop. I know some people that are addicted to lying. I mean, I can't have a conversation with some people, and I know they're lying because their mouth is moving. It's a horrible thing. They would rather lie than tell the truth. It's become an addiction. It's a sad thing. I know some people that love to steal. They're not, they're, they really don't care about the stuff, but they got a 
thrill of trying to take something that's not theirs. I know people who are addicted to all kinds of things. It's destroying their life. And if you asked them about it, they would say, oh, it's not that big a deal. (laughs) And it's literally killing them. It's literally destroying their lives. But they say, oh, it's, it's just a little bit of problem. Oh, dear friend, the easiest person in the entire world to deceive is a person you see in the mirror in the morning. When you deceive yourself, you are entirely deceived. And that's what these people are. They probably think what they're doing right now. These people who are going after these angels think what they're doing is normal. And that's what's wrong with our society. The abnormal has become normal. The dark has become light. And that which is evil has been spoken of as just okay. The Bible says in Hebrew in Proverbs 13, 15, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of a transgressor is hard. It was a prevalent thing. It was a polluted thing. It was a persistent thing. And finally, it was a punishable thing. Bible says in verses 10 and 11 here of this chapter, as we look at these verses, it says the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them to shut the door. And they smote the the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. These men were smote, the angels smote these wicked men with blindness. But even blindness did not stop these men from in their state trying to find the door to get inside to have a relationship with these two angels. What is the depths of man's depravity? I've known teenagers steal from their own parents to sell their stuff to buy drugs. That's horrible. I've seen people lie, be corrupt, do anything imaginable to get their own way. There is no end to the depths of sin. There's no end to it. The Bible says in James chapter 1 verse 14, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. But when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it's finished bringeth forth death. Jude chapter 1 verse 7, and the Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Eternal fire. The coming of the angels. The character of the atheists. Thirdly, tonight, the condemnation of the alerted. Look in verses 12 and verse 13. We see the angels. They were warning. They were warning Lot in his house. The judgment was coming. Lot had to get his family out of Sodom. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 18. But I shall say in the wicked, thou shalt surely die. Thou givest them not warning, or speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way. To save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thy hand. You say, preacher, why are you going down to the University of Florida on a Saturday night when you know it's going to be hot? Because I don't want the blood of 70,000 students at the University of Florida on my hands. 
One of these days, I'm going to stand before God Almighty. He's going to say, what did you do with all those students down there? They were 20 minutes from your door. Did you ever tell them about Jesus? I'm going to say, by the grace of God, we did. By the grace of God, you did. I'm going to do my part Will you do your part. See, dear friend, if your neighbor dies without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, their blood's on your hands. You say, preacher, really? That's what the Bible says, folks. You say, well, I'm afraid if I go over and tell them, they might not like me. Better they not like you than die to go to hell. Better them not like you than when you stand before Jesus, and dear friend, you're going to stand before Jesus, their blood be upon your hand. Don't, dear friend, don't let it be. Tell them the truth. Give them a gospel track. Invite them to revival. Do everything. Do anything. But I don't want to stand before God one day and my neighbor's blood be upon my hand on my hands because I didn't do anything, because I didn't say anything, because I didn't invite him, and I didn't encourage him. Oh, the angels were trying to warn him. We see the warning of the angels, the witness of the angel, verse 14. Lot tried to sell his sons and tried to tell his sons-in-law. He tried to go to them and say, hey, it's, <laughs> it's leaving time. We've got to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's, it's wicked. <laughs> Judgment is coming. But the Bible says. They looked at, they just laughed at him. They mocked him. Why did they mock him? Because he was been hypocritical. He knew the place they were at was wrong. He could have left at any time. Lot chose to be in Sodom and Gomorrah. So when he says it's time to leave, <laughs> his sons-in-law looks at him and says, what? Time to leave? This is our life. This is our lifestyle. We like this place. We don't want to leave this place. Think about how many years he could have in the past told them it's time to go. How many times he could have went to them when they were, when, even before maybe they even got married to his daughter and said, hey guys, you know, it's getting wicked in here. It's getting wicked in here. It's getting worse in here. We might want to leave. But they didn't. And now it was so bad that the that their sons-in-law were probably a part of the wickedness and didn't want to offend anybody. That's why they didn't stay. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 9, fools make a mock of sin, but among the righteous there is favor. The warning of the angels, the witness of Lot, they war the warning of the angels again in verse 15. <clears throat> the Bible says here in verse 15 again, it says, in the morning rose, and the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. <laughs> they have to come to him a second time. But one time wasn't enough. A second time, they had to come to him a second time. <laughs> Lot procrastinated because of doubt. Was it doubt because he wasn't sure what was going to happen? Was it doubt because he didn't believe the angels? Was it doubt because he was afraid to lose his stuff? Was it doubt because he feared what the people would say? What caused him to doubt? These holy angels told him it's time to leave, but he doubted. So often in life, God speaks to us in a still, small voice and tells us to go a certain direction, to stop doing this or start doing that, and we say no to that still, small voice. We see the warning by the angels. Not only that, the, the pulling from destruction in verse, in verse 16 and 17. While he lingered, the men laid hold of his hand and put in the hand of his wife and put in the hand of his daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him forth and set him out the city. They, they, they told him and finally they quit talking to him and they got hold of him. You know what the Bible says in Jude chapter 1 verse 22? 
and some having compassion, making a difference, and some, say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You see, sometimes, folks, you got you got to use everything with it that is moral and right to tell your loved ones about Jesus Christ and warn them of destructions coming. <clears throat> Some preach the love of God, and praise God, we preach the love of God. And many people are saved by the love of God, but some people need just old-fashioned hellfire brimstone preaching. They need to be told that heaven is sweet, but hell is hot. I can't tell you how many people I've met over the years who got saved because they, they feared the judgment of God. We see the warning against the angels, angels pulling them from destruction. But the whining of Lot, the whining of Lot in verses 18 through 20, Lot began to complain. He didn't want to leave the city. He didn't want to escape to the mountains. He didn't want to go to a place that he was not sure of. You know what I notice a lot of times in life? When we don't do, want to do what God wants us to do, we start whining about it. <laughs> These angels were actually trying to save his life, the life of his family, but it wasn't to the place, it wasn't to the liking of, of Lot, so he started whining about it. You see this throughout the entire Bible, especially the Old Testament. When people lack faith, they start whining about the, the circumstances. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, chapter 15, verse 22, the Bible says, And Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out of the wilderness of Shur and went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Three days after the miracle of crossing through the Red Sea, the Bible says in verse 23, They came to Marah and could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter before the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured before Moses, saying, what shall we drink? <laughs> Talking about what have you done for me lately? God had just provided escape from the Egyptians. The Egyptians were behind them. The Red Sea was in front of them. God used Moses to part the Red Sea three days after that wonderful miracle. Here they are complaining to God because the water wasn't up to par. Oh, how like that we are. God does something wonderful in our life. He does something miraculous in our life. He answers a prayer that we need in our life. And it ain't two shakes of a dog's tail and we're complaining about something. How horrible it is. How sad it must be in the ears of God. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You say, preacher, what's God's will for my life? Not to complain. To be thankful. To be grateful. Even in, in good times. In bad times. Because God has given you so much. He's blessed your life. We talked about this morning in Sunday school. The Bible says, with having food and raiment, that's clothing, let us therefore be content. Everybody in this room has clothes on. Praise God. Everybody in this room looks like you've been fed a little bit, probably better than we should. Praise God. Dear friend, we ought to be content. We got food. We got clothing. We got shelter. What should we be complaining about? Not nothing. We have it. We have better food than kings used to eat. Man, I just last night, I grilled me a pork loin on the grill, 
It tasted so good. I was like, man, I wanted to, my, my tongue wanted to slap my face to death. It was good. I was like, man, that's great. I love that. That was wonderful. Man, we have something to be grateful for and thankful for. Let us be thankful. Here's Lot. He's being saved. God, God in his mercy is sending angels to save him out of from destruction. And he's complaining that he doesn't get to nice things. He's having to go to the mountains. Well, if God is going to take care of him in the city, you think God was going to take care of him in the mountains? Why, sure he was. We see letter E, the waywardness of Lot's wife. It says in verse 26 in this chapter <clears throat> that his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Oh, I wonder what she was looking at, she was thinking about. All those clothes I left there in Sodom and Gomorrah. All those shoes. All my pearls. All my jewelry. All my cats, all my dogs, all my stuff, all my things. Oh, she started thinking about all those stuff, and she missed it. She hadn't been gone less than a day, and she was already longing for, wanting those things. She left her iPhone back at the house. And she had to have her phone to check the Instagram. She had to do it or she died. Oh, probably the best thing for all of us if we lost our phones for about a week. You'd probably go nervous. You'd probably your hands be like shaking. I don't have a phone. 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 You start foaming at the mouth. I don't have a phone. <laughs> How horrible it would be. Probably the best, best thing in our entire life. Probably the best thing of our life. We didn't have a TV for a week. What? No Netflix? No Hulu? No Disney Plus? How am I going to survive? <laughs> Probably the best time of your entire life. You've got a week alone with just your Bible. What would it be if you just had a week with just you and the B-I-B-L-E? It'd probably change your entire life. You'd go with it. We'd go with, with like withdrawals. Oh, when God takes something away from you, it's the best thing in the world. Sometimes it's the best thing in the world. Poor Lot's wife, she got caught up in the world. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Love not the world, and the things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of, the, of God abideth forever. Oh, dear friend, are you addicted to anything more than God? Do you love anything more than God and his word? Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. You see how much somebody loves some, something? See how much they're willing to obey it. You see the coming of the angels, the character of the atheist, the condemnation of the alerted. And finally, as we close the night, the corruption of the adolescence, the corruption. We see their perversion, verses 30 through 38. The older girl made a proposal to her sister, a proposal so unblushingly shameful and betrayed at once the kind of teaching she received in Sunday school. There was no thought of God. There was no knowledge of 
There was no thinking of his word. There was no thinking of right or wrong. It was all about feelings. It was all about me. It was all about what I think I should do. Her and her sister, younger sister, were completely wicked. They were spiritually dead. These reason, this couple reasoned like pagans, and that's what they really were. They desired to have a relationship with their father. Get the father drunk so our, so our life, can, our, our seed can be prolonged. They had no thought of trusting God, that God, as he had per, as sent angels to provide for them safety out of Sodom and Gomorrah, could someday provide for them husbands that would take care of them. Instead of thinking, trusting in God and believing in God and trusting God for the tomorrow, they only focused on themselves and consumed upon themselves their own lusts and desires. We see their perversion. We see their prodigy. As a result, Moab and Ammon were born. Both Moab and Ammon, as you read the Old Testament, were nations who became bitter and persistent enemies of the people of God. How horrible this was. How horrible it was. We end this chapter with Lot, a drunken fool, having relationships with his own daughters, having seed that would hurt the nation of Israel for years and years to come. You see, friend, if we didn't have any other scriptures at this point, we would think, Lot, that man has to be in hell right now. But the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after that after should be live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation or lifestyle of the wicked. <clears throat> For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Bible says, according to Peter, that Lot was righteous. And that even in this wicked city, he vexed his righteous soul every day. What does it mean to be vexed? It means to be work, work in work, a workplace where you know corruption is wrong, but you still work there. It means to live in a house where people are doing things that are in the house are immoral, unrighteous, and wicked. And still live there. It means to be in a marriage that is wicked and wrong, immoral, adulterous, but still be in there. It means to be caught up in sin, hating every minute of it, but still be involved in it. He vexed his righteous soul. I wonder that tonight, are you vexed? Are you vexed in your society? Are you vexed in your workplace? Are you vexed in your relationships? Do you see things going on all around you and it vexes your soul because of the wickedness around you? Oh, may God deliver us from being in a backslidden condition. <laughs> may God forgive us for living in sin, knowing it's wrong, but still continuing to live in a way that's not pleasing to God. As I was thinking about this passage, I thought about Elvis Presley. 
You know, Elvis Presley grew up going to church. He went to the Assembly of God. And back then, even then, in the Assembly of God, they preached the Bible. In the 50s and 60s, they preached about Jesus. They preached about salvation. They preached that he was the, the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. He heard the way of salvation. He heard the way of righteousness. He heard preachers get up in thunder and preach the word of God. What if Elvis Presley never left the church? Would he have died in the condition he was at 42 years of age, his body racked with drugs, living an immoral lifestyle? They called him the king. But I wonder if the king's in hell right now. What if? What if? What if? Vice is a monster of so frightful a mean, has to be hated, needs but to be seen, yet seen too often, familiar with face, we first endure, then pity, then embrace. Father God, help us not to live lives of sin. Everybody in this room has a personal life, has a life, a private life that only you know about. But God, you do know about. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah started with maybe something, maybe didn't seem so bad at first, but became worse and worse and worse and worse until ultimately God destroyed the entire city. And God, help us, Lord, as a people to pray for the United States of America, to pray for Florida, to pray for Gainesville. God, please do not destroy us before time. We know destruction is coming. But, oh, God, please help us. Help us in our personal life to recognize sin, not to tolerate it, not to excuse it, not to say, well, my sin's not as bad as so-and-so's sin. I compare ourselves with other people, which is foolishness. Oh, God, help us, Lord. Help us to be honest, totally honest about our own personal struggles in life. I pray tonight that every one of you, with the sound of my voice, have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. But if you're here tonight and you've never done that, I encourage you, before destruction is coming, because I promise you, just as, just as sure as destruction came to Sodom and Gomorrah, destruction will come to your life if you do not trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says it, that one day every person who does not, stand, that does not place their faith in Jesus Christ will stand before the white throne judgment and will be cast in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. That's what the Bible says. Dear friend, God doesn't want you to go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh, dear friend, maybe you're here tonight, and you're a Christian, but you've not been living for God. Maybe you've been excusing your sin, or blaming someone else for your sin, or seeing yourself as a victim of sin. But you know the lifestyle that you're living, the things that you're doing is not right. Oh, friend, let me beg you tonight. Let me plead with you tonight. Recognize that you're wrong, repent of it, and go the other way before suffering comes, before pain comes, before judgment comes. For God in his mercy and in his love will judge the Christian, will chastise the Christian if he's walking in a way that's not pleasing to God. Head bowed, eyes closed, maybe someone say, Preacher, I'm not living for God the way I should. I need to start living for him. I'm not doing things the way I should, not living the way I should. There's things in my life that are not right, and God knows it. Would you pray for me? Anybody be honest tonight? 
Anybody be honest. I've been struggling in the area of my life. Maybe you feel like it's a small thing, but it's, it's, a, it's a vice. It's a hobby. It's a habit. It's an area of your life that you know should not be. Say, preacher, would you pray for me that I admit what I'm doing is wrong? Maybe it's, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe your, mom, maybe your wife doesn't know about it. Your husband doesn't know about it. Your parents don't know about it. But you know it, but God knows about it. Say, preacher, would you pray that I admit it? I'd get right about it. Anybody at all this evening? Anybody at all? Let's stand to our feet tonight as the invitation is given. The invitation song is played. If you're, not, if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you come speak to Brother Clayton or my wife? If you're here tonight and you're living a, a life that you know is not right, you're doing things you know you shouldn't be doing, would you come and get right tonight? You come to this old altar and ask God to forgive you. Repent. Repentance means you recognize you're wrong and go the other way. Would you repent of it? Maybe you, maybe you have a, a brother. Maybe you have a son or a daughter that's living in sin. And you'd like to come to this altar and just pray for them. You know they're going the wrong way. Maybe they're headed towards hell, and you'd like just to sit and come down here and pray for those folks. Oh, dear father, dear grandfather, mom or dad, would you pray for that loved one who's in, caught up in sin? As the music plays this evening, would you do business with God tonight? Would you get right with God tonight? Whatever the Lord encourages you to do, whatever the Lord speaks to you to do, would you do it tonight? Whatever the Holy Spirit says, would you be willing to say, Lord, maybe be like Job, pray for your children. Maybe your children are going down a, a wrong path, a path that you didn't teach them, but they're still going down that wrong path. Mom, Dad, would you pray for them this, this evening? Would you beseech the Holy One for them? Lord, be there for them. May we all live righteously.